0: following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Come on, clap your hands real big. Wow. Look around you. You're blessed to have people around you. Come on, clap for the people around you. Now look up. Clap for the one that loves you. Come on. Now look ahead of you. Clap for tomorrow in your life. Come on. God's good. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to look behind you. We're moving forward here. What a joy to see you today and what an honor to be able to pastor such such an august church in the month of August. And uh, this is the second month of the second half of the season of the year. And we believe that July gives us fresh starts because God's not only a God of January, He's a God of July. And August has 31 days and February just has 28, so God gives you 62 days to kind of get it all back on track. And I want you to know that. I love you very, very much. We're going to do something very special now. If you'll stand to your feet, I'd appreciate that. We're going to have a moment here just to kind of remember uh, people just like us. That just happened to be in a Walmart yesterday, and uh, were gunned down by whatever, whatever he is, whatever that person is. We live, folks, and I'm not trying to be negative, but we live in a in a very evil world. We live in a world that is full of hate and full of anger, and people take their actions out on innocent people. And we don't need that. We don't need that. God, heal our land. And then this morning in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, 10 more killed by a gunman, a copycat thing, and over 10, or 15 wounded. And, and we just, you know, I've got friends in Dayton. I've got pastor friends in Dayton. I've preached in Dayton. And uh, I may know some of those people. I don't know, but I just know this, that we need to call on our God today. Amen. We need to call on our God, and we need to remember because We're still alive and well. And I want you all to know that we do our very best to bring safety to this church. We have a wonderful watch team headed up by some wonderful, wonderful human beings that know what they're doing. And I just, yeah, go ahead. That's all right. Yeah. But at the same time, we need the protection of God in our life. We really, really do. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I'm going to ask you for just a moment of silence. Just remember the folks in El Paso that lost loved ones. And the folks in Dayton this morning that lost loved ones. So, would you bow your head? Let's have a moment of silent prayer together. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, just remain standing just for a moment. And now there is a there's a little melancholy feeling over the church here right now, but. We're fixing to hear some good news. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, good news is coming. Good news is coming. And we're going to receive the good news here today. While you're standing, before you're seated, we're going to read a text, but before you're seated, but I want you to give it up for our favorite praise leader that comes to worship with us. He's going to be here the second Sunday, I believe, in September. Ricardo Sanchez is in the house here today. Amen. He came to hear his favorite pastor today. Not favorite preacher, but favorite pastor today. There is a difference. And his son, Ricardo Jr. is with him. Another son, Micah. Let's give these guys a great hand over here. I love these guys. I love them. Everybody say, there is more. There is more. Part two. Part two. We're speaking today on the blessed life. The blessed life. I want everybody here to know that you can have a blessed life. You can have a blessed life. You don't have to have a messy life. You can have a blessed life, living the life of Jesus Christ in your life. Ephesians 3, our our text, our, our, our standard text says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The King James says, exceeding abundantly above that we're able to ask or think." Paul writing to the Colossians said that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. I love that scripture. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor today. And you may be seated. You're awesome, awesome people. A little girl asked her mother, mom, why do you cut off the ends of the meat before you cook it? The girl's mother went on to tell her she thought that cutting the ends of the meat off added flavor by allowing the meat to better absorb the spices. But perhaps, she said, you might ought to go ask your grandmother and see what she did because I learned it from her. So the little girl found her grandmother and asked, grandma, why do you and mama Chop off the ends of the meat before you cook it. And the grandmother thought for a moment, she said, well, I think it allows the meat to stay tender (laughs) because it soaks up all the juices. But why don't you ask your Nana? Because after all, I learned from her and she's always done it that way. So the little girl, a little frustrated now, climbs into her great-grandmother's lap and says, Nana, why do you and Mama and Grandma cut the ends off the meat before you cook it? And Nana answered, I don't know why your mom and Grandma did it, but I did it because my pot wasn't big enough. Many of us, (laughs) that's a shrewd great-grandmother. Many of us walk through life blindly without knowing our real purpose for what we do. One of golf's immortal moments came when a Scotsman demonstrated his new game of golf to President Ulysses S. Grant. Carefully placing the ball on the tee, the Scotsman took a mighty swing And the club hit the dirt, the turf, and scattered dirt all over the president's beard and the surrounding vicinity while the ball waited placidly on the tee. Again, the Scotsman swung. Again, he hit the ground. Same results. And the president waited through six more swings and then quietly stated, There seems to be a fair amount of exercise in the game, but I failed to see the purpose of the ball. You'll get that after a while. (laughs) President Grant made a statement that could be true about many of our lives. There seems to be a fair amount of exercise, but sometimes we fail to see the purpose of it all. How many people have much activity in their lives, yet little or no progress in their lives? For all the busyness in each of our lives, I got three questions to ask you. Are you getting anywhere in life? Are you going anywhere in life and is there a purpose for all of this or is it just just an exercise in futility purpose gives meaning to life say it purpose gives meaning to life And last week we talked about there is more and we preached about do you live on yesterday's experiences or are you waiting for the rapture of the church for your tomorrows? Or can you somehow forget some of the things of your yesterday and not have to wait on a rapture of a church but start walking in favor and the blessing of God in your life? Can you do that? And I preached last week about Moses when he blessed the whole congregation and the spirit that was on him fell on them. And I don't want to be that pastor again today that's preaching and you're just listening. I want us to cooperate with what God's doing in this house for all of us. Because it's not me trying to tell you, it's me trying to help you help yourself to what God has in your life. Can we reach and believe that God has better things in front of us? Can he still Serve the best wine now? Or do we have to wait for then? We will allow every day to be a blessed day. Everybody say, a blessed day. day. See, the question needs to be asked are we truly living? Are we truly living? Or are we just existing? There's a difference between those two, a tremendous difference. For you see, living has been defined as vigorously alive. You're alive, you're full of life, you're smiling, you're happy. You're glad because this is a good day that the Lord has made. We're gonna rejoice and be glad. But existing is defined as to just have being, to just being there. See, God wants more than just existing in our life. He truly wants us to live life every day. We wanna be people reaching for greater life and abundant life and more life. He said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So many wake up and follow a routine every day and there's nothing wrong with that. Really there's not. They go about their business but they have no real sense of purpose in their life. Their happiness and their fulfillment of life depends largely on others and on circumstance. Let me ask you a question. Can you ever get, get, just get tickled at yourself? If you can't get tickled at yourself, you may have some issues. You may think too highly of yourself. I can laugh at me. I don't have to have you to laugh. I can laugh at me. In fact, I laugh at me all the time because I've talked to me before and I said, that didn't even make sense what I just said. So much for that. If you're completely honest, we all could admit that inside sometimes we're empty. We're not filled to the brim with this thing called life. We're not living, we're just existing. So I wanna say this real slow. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to live lives of liberality with a new wild change every day like blue hair on Monday and orange hair on Wednesday and green hair on Friday. And your husband's saying, what's coming out next, baby? However, we can learn to live lives that are full of vigor and full of livelihood. Rather than being content with just being or just existing. Or like the guy crawling out from under the rock in the Geico commercial. You don't know where you are or what you're about, but you can save 15% on your car insurance. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Let me give you three things to enjoy the more of God. Oh, I feel like preaching today in your life. First and foremost, beloved, and you've heard it, we've got the carpe diem. We have to seize The day, and you've heard it, but I'm going to preach it. Everybody say, Seize the day. day. If you surveyed these United States, most people would say that they want a life that will seize every day. I'm talking about a blessed life. No one wants life to be mediocre, we want our lives to be full, we want our lives to be more, we want every day and get everything we can get out of every day. We want to squeeze the sponge of life and get all the residue we can out of it into our mouth. Yet we are wrapped up in deadlines. Help me now. We're wrapped up in commitments. We're wrapped up in problems. We're wrapped up in priorities. And it just doesn't always happen. And so we don't seize the day. We don't. Yet there are ways to seize it, to seize every day of your life. The apostle Paul had this down to an art. He really did. Man, that guy was through, went through hell in a handbasket. You hear me? He had some stuff in his life, but he understood how to seize every day. He wrote in Colossians chapter one, watch this now, I've paraphrased it. He said, giving thanks unto the father who has made us. Are you happy that somebody made you? That you didn't make yourself, God made you? And everybody say, Partakers? of his inheritance, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, who has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, whom we have redemption through his blood, even forgiveness of our sins. You need to go put this on your refrigerator, P-D-T-R-F. Somebody say, what does that mean? said, I don't know, but it sounded good Sunday when pastor was talking about it. Everybody say, partakers, delivered, translated, redeemed, and forgiven. Folks, that's a day. You hear me? That's a day. When you get up and say, I'm a partaker of the kingdom of God and say, I've been delivered from sin. When you say, I've been translated by the power of God and I've been redeemed through his blood and forgive, forgiveness of my sins. What a joyful day that would be. Come on, clap your hands and say, that's all happening today. Those three verses bring it all down. I love this. Like it or not, folks, like it or not, the IRS knows their purpose for existing. Anybody understand that? In the IRS handbook, it states, during a state of national emergency resulting from enemy attack, the essential function of the service will be as follows, assessing, collecting, and recording taxes. Some of y'all didn't like that. I think that's one of the funniest things I've ever preached here. So while we're under attack and in a national emergency, they'll be doing what they always do. What they dutifully do is reaching in our pockets and taking more money. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you work for the IRS, I love you. You just have a job to do. Because the IRS knows their purpose. They know their purpose. Some of you walk through minefields and every time a minefield comes against you, you stop. But you have a purpose. You have been forgiven. You have been translated. You have been redeemed. You can walk through anything because there is a God that is with you that's greater than anything that surrounds you. And when you're going through all hell in your life, keep your purpose in your life connected with you. Amen. I've got a beautiful pen here. Shout out to Ross Carter. Ross Carter makes beautiful pens. And this is one he made for me. It is classic. It's not for sale. It's a gift. But it's, it's, a, it's got a beautiful rollerball on it. It does good. But see, something's happened to this pen since I got it from Ross. It has run out of ink. It's beautiful. I reached in my drawer the other day to sign something and I couldn't sign it because it was out of ink. And I'm trying to write here thinking it might come back, but once this is empty, it's empty. And so when you, when you understand the purpose of a pen is not to look pretty, a $2,500 Mont Blanc with no ink is not purposeful. And when you need to sign something, you, you'll reach for a 29 cent Bic <laughs> and sign it. Because a pen needs to sign something. A child of God, oh, let me preach right now. A child of God needs to walk through situations in your life that says you will not complete this journey But you take me out, I'm gonna keep writing and say, by the grace of God, I will walk through that and that and that and that, because I know my purpose in life. Paul said it this way, I wanna know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. One of my greatest speeches I ever heard in my life was a man that won the national NCAA championship with North Carolina State in 1983, beating my beloved five Slamma Jamma Houston, Houston Cougars. I still love, I still love, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Come on, help me, the center for the Houston Rockets. What's his name? Uh-huh. Kim Olajuwon, <laughs> my God. I was All I could think of was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> he was pretty bad too. But Jim Valvano, when that game was over, ran out on the court looking for somebody to hug because they had so believed somehow, everybody in the stands so believed that Houston was going to dominate that game. And Jim Valvano had those, those boys from North Carolina State ready to play ball and they won. So Jim Valvano, like him or loathe him, became a hero to me because he knew how to talk his team into a position to win against a favorite. I'd like to talk the favorite, this church, into winning in your life. We don't need to be upset by hell. We need to overcome hell and overcome the situations of life. But Jim Valvano contacted cancer, you know, and he made this famous speech and they play it every year when the ESPYs are on. And I remember the first year I heard it, I wept and I cried. And the second year I heard it, I cried. And I heard it again the other day and I cried again. I've been crying for years because he's dead and gone, but the speech still moves me. And Jim Valvano said this. He said, in order to seize the day in life, you have to do three things every day. And I'm gonna preach Jim Valvano to you right now. He said, the first thing you have to do every day, you have to laugh. You have to laugh. I asked you a while ago, can you laugh? Are you able to laugh? Or has life got so serious to you that you can't laugh anymore? Can you laugh at yourself? Can you laugh when you stumble and say, well, you goofy thing, you almost fell down? Can you laugh when you look at your bald head and say, wow, this is ugly? Can you laugh? Can you laugh when things are not going just the way they ought to go? See, laughter doth good like a medicine. It releases endorphins into your body. And it causes a medicine to come into your life. And we all need to laugh again. And I don't think the church is laughing enough. I don't think Christians are having enough joy in their life. But in order to seize every day, you have to learn how to laugh again. And he said the second thing you have to do every day, you have to think, you have to think, you have to think. Because thinking causes us to understand mortality, the now of life. And to understand that we're not here except by the grace of God. And then all of a sudden, God gets in the picture of your life. Hallelujah. I'm about to cry now, and I'm preaching this sermon. But you have to think, God is good. He's awesome. He's a wonderful Savior. I'm so happy that I know him. I'm so happy I got acquainted with him. I'm so happy he saved me. I'm so happy he delivered me from a life of destruction. I'm so happy he set my feet on a rock and established my going. I am so happy I have a Savior. And then he said, every day, you need to get emotional. He said, he called it, you need to cry. And I'm not talking about people that are crying because of depression and need some Xanax. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that just appreciate, you know? You know, some of you know my story, but I get up every morning appreciating Patty like I did in the day before. I had an old preacher tell me one time, said, son, every day you live, you got to get bigger and grow grow greater in your communication with God. You got to be better every day than the last day. And I think sometimes some of us don't cry enough. We don't get emotional about life. And so we don't seize the day. We don't get a hold of the now. We don't get a hold of the now. And somehow you've got to laugh and you've got to think and then you've got to get emotional and say, thank God for my family. Thank God because we raised some kids that are still doing it right. Thank God because I've got a mom and dad that are doing the right thing by bringing me to the house of God. We need to get emotional because there's nothing like understanding that we don't do this by ourselves. Alex Haley said, you'll never see a turtle on the fence post by himself. He didn't get there by himself. Somebody had to place him there and I'm gonna tell you, everything that we have in life has been given to us by somebody else. And our greatest contributor is almighty God for in him is no variableness, no shadow of turning and ever good and perfect gift comes from him. Would you clap your hands and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Amen. Amen. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff right there. Thank you, Mr. Valvano. The second thing in this subject is two-part. Let me preface it. We decide to some degree what is possible for God to do for us. You know, There's some people that think that God can't do what for them, what he can do for somebody else. Why would he be a respecter of person? When he said, Father, forgive them, he meant every one of us. Every one of us have been forgiven of our sins. Every one of us have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But see, we decide to some degree what's possible. There's two major reasons that well-intentioned people get stuck in places where God wanted them to pass through. Number one, they don't think big enough. Everybody say, you got to think big. They don't imagine big enough. They don't see big enough. They don't proclaim big enough. And number two, they don't start small enough. When Abraham said goodbye to Lot in Genesis, and he took his herds with him, and Abraham was left with not, without his lot and without some of Lot's people to help with his herds, the Bible said the Lord said, Abraham, right where you stand, look up. Right where you stand, look up and see what I have for you. Can I tell everybody in this house today, no matter where you are today, no matter what valley you're in, no matter what situation you've come into church in, no matter where you are right now, lift up your head right now and look for where you are right now. God's got something so great for you in your life. You can't even imagine it. Tongue cannot tell it. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Right where you are, look up. See, people must start with what they have where they are. Yes. And number two, then give themselves to the process of birthing something bigger. Then imagine God doing something great in your life. Can you imagine today of God doing something great in your life? Can you imagine? We must not limit God with our limited thinking. Somebody has got to take the lid off. Have you ever wondered that the ceiling that was holding the man in the house from being healed had to be taken off for him to get his healing. Four men tore the roof off. We need to tear some roof off of our thinking and start seeing the awesomeness that God has in his life life for us because God's got some abundant blessings for Christian Life Church. Come on, punch your neighbor and say, he's preaching to all of us. Let's get on board now. Let's go, let's go, let's go. See, instead of limiting, lift your eyes to possibilities and create space in your mind and our imaginations for God to work with. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called The Tipping and Point. And, and New York City was, was brought back from almost a jungle to a beautiful city again by a mayor who used this thing called the broken window theory. He said if we fix all the broken windows within 24 hours where gangs would break those windows or where they would write graffiti on the walls, if we'd take that graffiti off in 24 hours, we'll clean up our city. We'll let those gang people know they're not going to rule our city. We're going to clean up this city. As soon as they mess it up, we're going to clean it up. And if we'll clean the subways up and we'll wash the windows of the subway and repair the broken things on the subway system, he said we will have a city of beauty. Fixing windows cleaning up subways and cleaning things that were just of non-essential value is to some like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic as it headed for the iceberg because we can't see that you can start that small and change a great big city. Mm. Proverbs 29 said, where there's no vision, the people perish. I read a story about two men who went to work for a railroad the same day Fifteen years later, one stood on the back of the train and described the process of true tracks coming together in middle America. The other was in the audience. You know why? Because one went to work for a quarter a day 15 years ago, and the other went to work for the railroad. What are you in this thing for? Are you in this thing because you want somebody to bail you out of trouble? Are you in this thing because you want to walk in white someday? Are you in this thing because you need something desperate in your life and God is your bailout plan? Are you in this thing because you want something from God and you understand that God is your only refuge and there's nobody like him? Come on, let me preach right now. Hallelujah. You gotta think big, but you have to start small. There's no stage too small for greatness. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Micah wrote about it. It's a small place. It was an out-of-the-way place. It meant house of bread, but the bread of life was born there. Hmm. Hallelujah. Dwight Moody said, if God is your partner, make your plans big. Second Kings, quickly a story. Three kings are going to battle and they run out of water. They're trying to get freedom from their oppressors. And as they get prepared to go, they run low. And so they know their troops can't fight without water. And it's been a great drought in the land. So they they leave their camps and go looking for a man named Elisha. And all he had ever done was pour water on the hands of the man of God, Elijah. So they knew he knew something about water. (laughs) You understanding that? So they said, you know, we'll start small. He had never done anything, but we think that maybe he knows something about water. Let's go ask him about it. So after sharing their story, Elisha starts speaking prophetically. He said, this time tomorrow, there'll be water. All the animals will have water. All the armies will have water. The drought is almost over, he said. Now, here's what I want to say. Let's not just imagine God doing something good. Let's prophetically declare something good in our lives. You know, last week I talked about the spirit that is on the pastor needs to be on the congregation. Now, let me go to part two. You need to open up your mouth because there's power of life and death in the tongue. I can put it in you, but you got to speak it out of you. Come on. I can put it in you, but you got to start speaking it. Daddy, you need to get up in the morning and say, This house is a house of the Lord. The Lord dwells in this house. Come on. You got to say that. You have to speak that. You can't just receive that and let it die in your spirit. You got to let it go because prophetically, audacious faith has got to come out of your mouth. I wake up every morning and say, God. You're blessing Christian life, Austin. You're blessing us. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad I'm a part of it. I can't wait till Sunday. It's Christmas again on Sunday. I'm fired up today. I'm fired up today. I threw my robe away. I'm I'm preaching today. I feel good today. I don't feel feel old today because I'm not old. I'm as young as you are. I'm 25 years old preaching right now. I feel like I'm just a young man talking and walking because I declare this congregation if you'll open up your mouth and start declaring that God has something great for your family, great for your life it doesn't matter how small you start think big! Think big! But then he said after he thought big he said you know we gotta make this valley full of ditches so get you a, get you a shovel, let's let's go to work. That's small starting. But the next morning, they didn't hear hear the wind or see see the rain. But that valley flowed with water down to the Valley of Edom. And all the armies and all the animals got water. And they defeated that enemy because a man that knew something about water (laughs) prophesied water. Can I say something to you today? Can I say something without me thinking you think I think I'm something? I know a little bit about God. He's walked with me through some situations in my life. And I don't mind telling you I'm thinking real big right now. So I'm gonna prophesy something about God right now. Get ready. The last half of this season, the last half of this year is gonna be absolutely unbelievable in some of your lives because you're gonna open up your mouth and you're going to declare the good things of God. And you're going to have a rhema on your mouth and a rhema on your tongue. And you're going to say, God, you still can. And you can bless my family. Come on, if you receive that, clap your hands and say, I got it, Pastor. I got it. Let me close. Third thing, you've got to stop worrying and stressing and give your burdens to the Lord. Don't worry. Be happy. I recently read that a dense fog covering a seven block area of a city is composed of less than one normal eight ounce glass of water. It's divided into billions of droplets. Such a small amount of water can create so much gloom and can even cripple an entire city. Worry and anxiety are like that. They really are. Just a small amount can settle on you like a great cloud of gloom and can keep you from enjoying your life. Well, while I'm at it, I just might as well rebuke that. I rebuke worry and anxiety and gloom today. Boom. Boom. Come on, let the sun shine (laughs) and the fog will go away. Fear deteriorates. Faith breathes. Faith deteriorates the quality of life. Faith breathes life of joy. Jesus tried to change our focus from fear to faithfulness when he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor store away in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add one single hour to your life? You know the opposite of worry in the Old Testament? You know what the opposite of worry is? It's worship. Why worry when you can worship? I heard somebody said not long ago, I love this, he said wait to worry. Don't worry first. Wait. Let that be the last option. Put God before worry. <laughs> we always let God be the last option. Put God before worry and everything's going to be all right. Come on, let's, let's believe that. Let's receive that. You've got to receive that. Give your worries to the Lord. Take his faith through our hearts. It's called the great exchange. And I'm almost done. But quit talking to God about your big problems. And start talking to your problems about your big God. I can't just exist. I must live life fully. So everybody say three things. Say three things. I want you to start talking. (laughs) Amens are in order. Everybody say seize the day. day. Think big. big. Start small. small. That's the second one. And number three, give your worries worries and stress 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 to the Lord. Lord. Now I'm going to close. Randy, if you'll help me. I'm going to close now. I want you to grab this clothes. I want you to grab this clothes. I want you to clutch it. I want you to get a hold of this clothes because the most replicated miracle in the Bible is a miracle that will stun you. It's replicated in the Bible. You know, Jesus did a lot of things uniquely. Hey, guys, y'all want to come hear a good sermon that's short? Come down here and see with us again, okay? Cause I don't take long, all right? I love you boys. Hey, everybody say replicated. replicated. Miracle. When Jairus came and worshiped Jesus and said, my daughter is dead, Jesus followed him home. But on his way home to Jairus' house to heal a 12-year-old girl that had just died, a woman with an issue of blood saw Jesus passing by. And she seized the day and she said if I can touch the hem of his garment she said to herself I will be made whole she had big thinking she had been sick for 12 years she had big thinking but she started small she didn't get in front of Jesus the Bible says she came up behind him in Matthew chapter nine. came up behind him and just touched his garment she was literally in a crawl trying to get through the crowd to touch his garment. And she did. And when she did that, she gave all her worry, anxiety, fear, and trepidation to him. And he turned around and said, daughter, (laughs) he called her his kid, daughter, your faith has made me whole. That miracle folks, that miracle right there, I gotta tell you is the most replicated miracle in the whole Bible. Okay, Pastor, proof text. Okay, I'm here. I come. Matthew 14. Just five chapters later, Jesus is at Genesaret, and the Bible said there were diseased people there. Everybody say diseased people, and they sought to touch his garment, and they touched his garment, and were made whole, every one of them. So it went from one to what? 500? One to a thousand? It was a replicated miracle. Look at Mark 3. He healed many. They touched him, all ethnicities, and plagues were healed. It's not the same story. Then look at Luke 6, chapter 6, verse 19. The whole multitude sought to touch him and unclean spirits were healed. So we have an issue that was healed. We have a disease that was healed. We have plagues that were healed and we have unclean spirits that were healed. Any of those things bothering you? See, here's a problem with church people. We sit here and say, well, God, you know where I am. Come on, touch me, help me, get me out of this situation. But what you don't understand is there's a lot of people doing that. But there's not a lot of people that are saying, I'm gonna touch him. I'm gonna touch him. It's my day today. I'm gonna touch him. I'm tired of waiting on him to find me. I'm gonna find him, and I'm gonna touch him. And the reason that was replicated was because people understood that no matter what direction Jesus was facing, if you touch him, you will be made whole. Can I get a witness from the congregation right now? Oh! Oh, hallelujah. That old business was not for you, it was for me. I just felt it. God have mercy. Here's what I'm saying. Don't wait on God to find you, but seize the day. Think big and give your worries to the Lord. He will heal anybody in this house that reaches out and says, I'm gonna to touch you today. I'm gonna to touch you today. Boy, it makes me laugh <laughs> and it makes me think. And it makes me cry. Because I've been there and I needed him worse than anybody that was in the church. And I felt his presence. And I reached out and I touched him. And I've never been the same. I've replicated the woman in Matthew nine, many times. I need a touch. No, I need to touch him. I need to touch him. There's a lot of us in one of him. I need to touch him. And when you get desperate enough, you'll seize the day. You'll seize it. And that's what I call a blessed life. A blessed life is simply broken down like this, touching Jesus every day. That's a blessed life. Touching Jesus every day. Every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day. The secret to a blessed life Touching Jesus is all that really matters. My life will never be the same. There's only one way to touch Him. It's when you call on His name. I'm done. I'm finished. Oh, I feel the presence of God in this house. I feel a beautiful, beautiful flow of the Holy Spirit in this house right now. And God is doing something in your world right now. Hey, when you get in your car, I got one minute, when you get in your car, I'm gonna gonna get the last drop out of this sermon to y'all. When you get in your vehicle today, and a tear starts making its way down your face, that's not a sadness, that's an emotion that says, wow, I touched you today, Lord, with my worship. My family's gonna be different. I'm gonna to touch you tomorrow because that's the secret of a blessed life is touching him every day, every day. And you that are watching by the net today, I'm not gonna ask you to reach and touch the screen. No, I'm gonna ask you to reach up and touch him and call on his name. He's as close as the mention of his name. Would you stand to your feet, you awesome people that I love you very much. Clap your hands for the word today. Clap your hands for the word Join somebody's hands. If you're a germaphobe, just take the wrist. I'm not trying to be funny. There are people that don't like to do this, but I just feel it today. I feel that synergy needs to be in the house. I want the flow of the spirit to go from person to person, from husband to wife, wife to children, friend to friend. We're gonna have a revival on Wednesday night, every Wednesday night this month. We have some of the finest young ministers coming to preach. And if you've never been to a Wednesday night, you're missing it. You gotta get here early. Seats are a premium. We had over 100 in overflow last Wednesday night. for Mac Brock, what a beautiful night of worship. But I wanna thank you for being here today at Second Church in the middle of summer. We've got a full house here today. You know why you're here? Because you wanted to be here. So lift your hands that you're holding there, lift them all up over the the house I pray favor on you today again I pray blessing on you again today and not only do I want you to feel the presence that is in me to produce what is happening here today but I, I want you to understand you can prophetically declare to your family and to your house and to yourself I will, I will seize the day I will think big even though I have to start small and I will, I will cast my cares and my burdens on the Lord because he cares for me and I love him and I love him. God, thank you for these people. Thank you for these men that work hard for their families. Thank you for these mothers and these wives that are so diligent with home and with their families. Even some of them have jobs too. Bless our parents, bless our families. Bless the family structure at Christian Life Austin. Bless our children, Lord those that are getting instruction next door and those that are here in the house of God bless them today God let your hand walk on them and be a part of their life touch them, touch them, touch them, strengthen them, bless them let them know without a shadow of a doubt that you're here and they can they really can reach out and touch you in Jesus name go with us this week, show us favor all month long, show us favor all month long let us grow in stature favor of God and the favor of men. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Everybody say, I have a purpose. I love you. You're incredible people. Thank you for loving this church and loving the God of this church and loving the families of this church and loving the pastor. I love you very much. Have a great, great day. We'll see you Wednesday night. Next Sunday, third part. Third part of There Is More. I love you. Next Sunday, next Sunday.